You're listening to the Top Woman Business Unusual Podcast. Now, the Top Woman Business Unusual Podcast. Learn from the greatest minds in business today. Interviews hosted by Ralph Fletcher. Learn how to improve business, get tips from industry leaders, and be motivated by real-life experience. Top Woman. Business Unusual. So I think we're just going to get started for everybody. Welcome to the, the Standard Bank Top Woman podcast. Today we are with Raleen Strauss. If you don't know who she is, that'd be a big shame. But um, in 2014, Raleen won the Miss South Africa and Miss World and was quickly catapulted into stardom or, or the limelight. And um, I think since then, Raleen, you've written a book. What else have you done? You... It's been seven years, I figured that out. Yes, so, yeah, so my, my initial passion was actually medicine. So I went on to study medicine. I had to take a break for two years to complete my Miss South Africa and Miss World roles and went back to medicine, finished medicine, but um, got married and felt pregnant um, literally a few months apart. So I ended up with a choice whether I want to continue my medicine and my medical career or whether I wanted to catch up on some precious lost family time. So I decided to prioritize family at that stage. And since then, yes, like you've mentioned, um, written a book and busy with my second one actually being launched in September. Very excited about that. And then also um, busy with my master's in philosophy and coaching which is, um, yeah, a newly found passion. And my love for coaching is just growing by the day. Fantastic. We've got some um, synergy there. I also, I love coaching. It's got a very, yeah, yeah away from the uh, therapy style, um, but positive. It's, it's definitely for me, I've got a coach and it's had the most positive impact the most quickly. Um, from anything I've ever done. So, yeah, I, I love that. And it, it's um, very, very useful in business. So, I mean, you ha- started a YouTube channel a couple of years ago. But what I sort of noticed is you've addressed quite a lot of the the more personal things are, are maybe not spoken about, about uh, this journey that, that you've experienced and I'm sure many other women have experienced. And I just was curious as to what that, what was that turning point? Was it about empowering yourself or, or what was the, the desire to kind of come out and, and be open and, and let people understand more of Rolene behind the scenes? I think something that I have in common with most women, I think, listening today as well, is a very interesting self-confidence journey. And even though people might look at me and see Miss South Africa or a previous Miss World, I still had my confidence issues. And it actually worsened during the time that I was in the limelight. And it started when I was 16 years old. And I still remember the day that my whole self-confidence journey started was I was on my way to Paris for modeling at the early age of 16. And an elderly lady stood in front of me and she took a measuring tape. She had to take all of my measurements uh, before I could go. And she measured my hip circumference and said, "Um, 94 centimeters, we'll have to get it down to at least 90 centimeters, little lady. And in that instant, 
I remember the girl that grew up in a small town in South Africa who believed she could do anything she wanted to do. Parents raised my brother and I to believe in ourselves and to believe in our potential started measuring herself against what society wanted her to be. And without her knowing it, this measuring tape tightened and tightened. And that was a way, um, you know, with me starting my YouTube channel and everything, and, and I'll speak a bit, you know, um, perhaps if you wanted to know a bit about my master's in philosophy and coaching journey and how that enabled me to rediscover my self-confidence. But the first step was to be more vulnerable and to let people know that um, this is not just a pretty face sitting here, um, you know, being perfect in the way she talks, in the way she dresses, in the way she acts. But this is actually a real person. And that was the first step that I had to take to be more vulnerable and open um, on my YouTube channel. Yeah, because, I mean, when you put yourself out I mean, you're, 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 you're a young person who's done this from a very young age. And I suppose you don't walk out thinking, I'm going to do this so I can get scrutinized at every level um, by the public and other people. But how do you, how do you, I mean, I know it was tough for you and I've, I've listened to some of sort of your, your YouTube stories and channels, but how do you prepare yourself for, I mean, for going into that spotlight and knowing that that's going to happen? Is there preparation you can do or do you just have to take it on the chin and, and grow a thick skin as you as you get on? I think it's important to do your homework. And I think in anything, in entrepreneurship and leadership roles, in something like Miss South Africa, there are the pros and then there are the cons. And um, a part of me did it because I wanted to regain that self-confidence that I've lost over the years. But I also knew that this would be a platform for me to influence female lives out there, whether it's through health, um, physical health, medicine, or mental health, something like coaching. So I knew that the pros would be much greater. Um, I didn't know to what extent the negative things will influence me, but I um, I did my homework. I asked around, spoke to previous Miss South Africa's, um, obviously not previous Miss Worlds, but I think it was a conscious choice that I still made. Didn't make it easier, but um, I've learned a lot through that. And I would say my mindset was more towards growth and learning um, through the difficult times as well. So you must have, look, I mean, there's an obvious title that you now hold for, for sort of life or a, a um, label if, that you hold for life being Miss World. And how have you, what have you done in the last couple of years? And are you trying to even to set a new identity or, or you mentioned sort of reinventing yourself to some degree? Is that, is that something you're actively trying to do to, to redefine your identity or are you using it to continue growth? Absolutely. I think it's um, one of my most difficult challenges that I've had was to reposition my brand and not in a too sudden way. So Miss South Africa and Miss World will always be a part of me. But when I die one day, I don't want to to be known as a Miss South Africa or Miss World. I don't want that to be the biggest thing that I leave behind. So it's been quite challenging, especially with social media and um, personal branding to move from Miss South Africa and Miss World over to Rolene, the coach, um, being 
you know, very passionate about female leadership, passionate about educating women and helping women to rediscover their self-confidence. So it has been difficult, but the one thing that I measure my success with the whole rebranding exercise is what type of questions I get asked in interviews. So I can really see that it has been changing a lot. It's not anymore. How did it feel when they put the crown on your head? You know, that used to be the the ultimate question wherever I go. And then now it's more towards, you know, what are your passions? What are you currently busy with? Um, How do you experience coaching, et cetera, et cetera? Look, I think I think a lot of people, regardless of, of what it is, have a massive, and this is where I kind of want to relate to, to other people, that they do a, a big career change or a big career shift in life. And everybody struggles with, with that identity, that changing of identity at some point or another. What did you, you know, what did you put in place for yourself to, what were the steps that you put in place consciously to, to, and achieved and learned from um, that that gave you the opportunity to change that. And now we use it and we speak potentially about coaching and philosophy and all of these things um, and, and not what, what it felt like on the night to win. Um, yes. So, so what, what, is, what did you do? What steps did you take to change that? Um, coming back to coaching and some of the theories and philosophies that I've learned in coaching, and one thing that I've found very valuable in my life is that when it comes to change and when it comes to growth, we all have this ideal version of ourselves that we want to be, and let's call it the new you. Um, and what we often do, which is not always very helpful, is to leave the old. And that is such a shock to help because you ultimately you know changing into a new person all of a sudden and you go through a type of grieving experience so what I usually share with my coaching clients and what I did as well is I focus on the old me and I determine what parts of the old me that I still want to continue what parts of those um, or what characteristics what skills what what about the old me do I still want to carry with me And then the change is not too sudden and it's more of a gradual change into the new you. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, and, and that's like a big step for you. So what do you think um, in terms of your goals that you had before, have they changed or have they stayed the same? So, I mean, you know, have you, have you taken those values you always had along with you? And I mean, you were speaking about it now, what you decided to take with you and what you didn't decide to take with you. What, what were those things, those values that you decided to, to move across and leave behind? So that was actually a difficult choice that I had to make because I still remember when um, I finished my medical degree, I had so many, you know, so many directions that I could go into. I, you know, people... Um, asked me to do Bollywood movies. People asked me to do presenting work. I I literally could do anything that I wanted to do. And even though I had all of these opportunities, I've never felt so lost in my life. Um, and I actually made an online course about how to find your life purpose um, after going through that experience because it's something that we all struggle with. And once you get clarity on your values, exactly like you've mentioned, and your life purpose... Um, you kind of take a step back and you focus on, you know, who do you want to be rather than what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so as soon as I got clarity on who I wanted to be and 
um, my life purpose being reach full potential, but and also enabling um, women around the world to reach their full potential. Um, I realized that there's so many things that I could do in order to be that person. So then you don't feel that loss anymore. And you can, I call it break up with the one. We're all in search of who we are, in search of what we should do. But once you realize that you can create the person you want to be, and then you can actually do anything with that. Um, it made it so much more easier to find the direction and easier for me to leave medicine as well. Mm. I was going to say, because it must have been difficult to leave medicine with your parents being uh, both medical, how did they, I mean, I just want to skip back a bit, but how did they cope or, or because it seems like they supported you quite a lot through, through your pageant journey as well. Um, but what did they think of, of the, their daughter that was su- supposed to be a medical student going into, into the beauty pageant world? What was, how did you convince them, first of all? They've always been extremely um, supportive, and even though we grew up grew up in a small um, small town, even though I grew up very protected, and they they always knew that there was more to life than just being in a small town, studying either medicine or um, you, you know um, engineering or whatever. So they were actually extremely supportive in that. And one of the values that they've raised us with is to have balance in life and be a balanced person and not only focus on something. So um, they've been extremely, extremely supportive. I think it's still um, in a way sad for my dad that I didn't pursue medicine. That was always sad. My mom and I, we used to go shopping and all of that, but I had medicine in common with my dad. I still do. Um, but they are extremely supportive um, in anything I do. And and moving forward now, you are. You, I mean, you spoke about your purpose, you you know, um, and finding your purpose. So, what is is now? You know, can you tell us your purpose number one, and then sort of what do you like? How, what are you doing now to achieve that? Um, what impact is it having? Are you having? We'd love to hear a little bit more about about what, what's currently going on and, and going on into the future. Yes. So I went through um, quite extensive personal growth journey to uh, write my purpose down. And I think everything that happened in my life led up to me realizing and choosing what my purpose is, is which is to assist females to reach their full potential. And at the moment, I um, am happy to say that I'm doing that through my coaching, personal coaching, but also through um, my online courses that that I've developed. And I'm busy with my thesis at the moment for my master's, focusing on the gender gap in leadership, the challenges that females face in leadership, and how we can use coaching to actually assist females to regain that self-confidence and to climb the corporate ladder or become anyone basically who they want to become passionate about that and I think that I'll be able to reach a lot of people because of the Miss World and the Miss South Africa background so mostly focusing on females and addressing things that I've struggled with as well but um, helping them to help themselves and I think that's the power of coaching. I think I mean I've worked for many years with listening to what are sort of women in leadership's biggest problems, um, a lot of them end up being confidence issues, um, or it's not problems, sorry, challenges in in progressing in in leadership. 
is there are, are there other things that have come to your attention other than that 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 you would say are quite big hurdles for women that 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 um, you see as, as something we need to be addressing? So many factors, you know, leading to the glass ceiling, what we call it, with uh, with female leadership. And I think self-confidence, most of these can be addressed internally, um, like self-confidence, but there are always also things that um, might not be able, that we might not be able to have control over. Um, organizational policies, um, you know, things like that. Also, the domestic gap in, in responsibilities, you know, with um, females taking more responsibilities on at home, and then also them being perceived as not ambitious enough or not, um, you are know, not focused enough on their on their work at stereotyping. I think the major thing that females struggle with is that the ideal leader is seen as masculine and ambitious and very um, manly. And if they try to fit into that box, they are often seen as inauthentic or too ambitious or too self confident or too arrogant. So, um, you know, keeping the balance between who you are as a female and remembering that the characteristics um, that you have as a female is just as powerful in leadership positions than males. And very interesting, it's shown that female and male leadership efficiency doesn't really, um, there's no difference in how effective females or males are, but the difference is the perception of leadership. Um, males are perceived as better or greater leaders. And one of the things that impact the perception of someone on leadership is self-confidence of that leader. So um, that's where, where my passion and my personal journey with self-confidence is kind of combined with my master's and the studies that I'm, um, that I'm doing currently. And I, I am really excited about what lies ahead for me and what else I can discover and how I can build coaching models and techniques to actually assist these women. So you mentioned, I mean, I asked you if this is your first podcast, you said not really, but also you have got something waiting in the wings and that you've got a couple of recordings happening. Tell us, give us a little bit of a, a teaser as to what's coming. So I am married to the most amazing husband, <laughs> Daniel Strauss. Um, he actually has the same surname as me. So my life was very easy getting married um, and keeping the same surname. And he always makes this joke. He says, if anyone asks, he says, no, you know, she was so famous that I took her surname. Um, but we have, we have the same surnames. And the one thing that we have in common is passion for personal growth and assisting other people to also grow. My husband is a, a venture capitalist, entrepreneur, um, investing in small businesses and helping them grow. And we always knew that we want to take, you know, his, his strengths and, and his passions and my strengths and my passions and do something together. So we are working on that. We actually um, hoping to launch our podcast soon. We've already recorded a few, um, a few episodes. So it's called the Strauss Life Podcast. And then we are also doing uh, our first seminar together in July um, called the Breakthrough Intensive. So we're really, really excited about the few things that we do together. And I think it's so important as a couple to, you know, have your lives independently, but also choose what you want to work on together. Sounds amazing. So, so the, and the, the seminar is that, is that for women, men, who, who, who is it aimed at? 
So, so my husband and I will be um, hosting the seminar um, together. So it's about the break, you know, the name of the seminar is Breakthrough Intensive. So it's basically for anyone who needs a breakthrough. And um, whether it's in business, whether it's in personal life, mental wellness, whatever it is, um, our, our vision is or our idea is that it's not necessary to have all of the steps but it's important to know what step you have to take right now um, in your life. So we're going to focus on a lot of different areas of life, um, business, finances, mental well-being, personal growth, um, and then you are a major breakthrough in one or more of those areas during the two days. Um, on the, it's actually on the 23rd and 4th of July this year. Is it, is it virtual or is it uh, uh, in person, really? No, it's in person. It's in person. Oh, wow. It'll be held on Lanzarote Lanzarote State here, um, here in Cape Town, well, Stellenbosch, yes. So where did you get this 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 journey for coaching come from? How did this all start? Because you speak about breakthroughs, so there must have been a process that you went through to, to have this sort of uh, epiphany or newfound passion. There was. Um, the initial, well, the start of it was that confusing time that I went through just after completing my medical degree, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and I was looking for something to do, something that I could do that will enable me to rediscover who I am and rediscover my self-confidence, but still allow me to spend some time with my family. At that stage, I started a health center with my sister-in-law um, called Revita Health. I'm actually here um, in my office. So I had a few things going on, but I knew that I had to, to like literally go through a personal growth journey, intensive journey. And my husband at that stage, well, he gives some classes to the MBA students at, um, at some universities. And he was lecturing at the University of Stellenbosch Business School. And he came home one day and he said, you know, there's this amazing course. It's Masters in Philosophy and Coaching. And um, Professor Jonathan Janssen's wife, Grace Janssen, actually did that at that stage. And I spoke to her and um, I just realized, okay, perhaps this is it. It's part-time studying and I've heard amazing things about it on a personal level, but also on an academic level. So, um, yes, that's why I decided to do it. And I just love every minute of it. Um, look, you've gone through quite a journey now. I mean, you, you, you said you grew up very early. Um, I think, like I said in the beginning, Miss World sort of catapulted you into the limelight, but it also catapulted you into adulthood. Um, and, and I imagine there are many, part of what you're doing makes sense because there are many young women who would most definitely be looking up to you. What are the, what are the kinds of things that if you look back now and you could give yourself some advice or you could give them some advice you know, what are those kind? Of, what are the kind of things you would give them uh, uh, to think about, or or to kind of to to stew on? Well, on a lighter note, <laughs> informal note, I would say appreciate the time that you have before you have children. <laughs> um, my husband and I were talking, talking about it the other day, and we were sitting there thinking we would literally have taken over the world if we had more time and if we had more time before we fell pregnant obviously um, we love our boys to bits and we wouldn't change it for anything but you don't realize 
how much time you actually have uh, before you have children. So that's the one thing. Yeah. But um, yes, on a more serious note, um, I think realizing who you want to be is much more important than figuring out what you want to do with your life. And I think it's so unfair at the age of 18 to decide what you want to study, to decide what you want, you know, what you want your career to be. And a lot of people believe that you should stay in that career for the rest of your life. But um, yeah, I would, I would have wanted everyone to do um, a lot, finding your life purpose or, or, or deciding what your life purpose is exercise before you actually choose something to study and realizing that if you know who you want to be you can do anything with that Mm. yeah I very much have the same philosophy with you on trying something before you do it you don't have to go into two years of studying when you're so young and you're so young and you don't have it all figured out yet you don't need to have it all figured out yet I think Um, I'm a little bit older than you and I'm also still you continuously every 10 years you're going through another journey of who you are and if this is what uh, you had planned to achieve and yeah, it's, it's already life is a really fascinating journey so and, and it sounds like you've sort of started on yours very young to have such sort of um, worldly views on, on, on life and changing and personal development I mean I know that people in their in their early 30s sometimes they're nowhere near this journey until they've probably had all their kids and, and wake up one day with the husband and realize, what do we do now? Who am I? Um, so a lot of people only realize that once the kids have left, once the kids have left the home. Um, so I really think you're in a fortunate place and a great place to be able to share that you can start this journey a lot younger, but also, like you said, it doesn't have to be so much pressure. You can actually enjoy yourself uh, before you go and embark on all these things. And, and growth, you can't force growth. Growth takes time. And a lot of the times we look at people beside us or people in front of us and we say, you know, I want to be there. I want to achieve that. But there's always there's this beautiful piece um, that W. Timothy Galway wrote about a rose seed and how, you know, a rose seed is a rose seed or a rose is a rose from the time it is a seed to the time it dies. Yeah. And within at all times, it 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 has its whole potential within it. So you might've just been planted. You might've already blossomed, but along the times we don't condemn the seed because it's a seed. Um, We don't say it's immature as it just, it starts to blossom. It still is a rose um, from beginning to end and, you know, allowing it to grow, allowing yourself to grow and keeping the balance between realizing um, that you are who you are and you can't change who you are, but also, um, striving to be better so keeping that balance and and enjoying life along the way as you've mentioned I think there's a there's a, a a quote that says you know run your own race and um similar like stop comparing yourself to what everybody else did what they can do they can't do uh, run your own race and, and be yourself as everyone else has taken I think one of my my two sort of favorite um um sayings so where, where to from here, really? I mean, you're, you're doing all this uh, um, coaching. Uh, do, you, do you leave the sort of limelight behind? Are you keeping up with your YouTube stuff and your, in your social media platforms? Do you want to use that as part of your coaching? Is, is that kind of the strategy? 
Yes, so I've, I've actually done a lot of research on my social media channels to figure out what females struggle with. And one thing that comes up very often is self-confidence. So absolutely using my platforms that I've already, that I have, I'm very fortunate to have um, grown these platforms through Miss World. But now also, um, you know, people started following me for being Miss World and now I'm changing slightly um, changing the people coming so definitely yeah. using the platforms um, I have time out Tuesday it's a, a live Instagram talk that I have every Tuesday from 8 to about 8 30 so just sharing my growth my journey um, on there in the hopes that someone might be able to find it valuable and and go on this journey with me and then definitely focusing on my on my coaching online courses um, yeah. and, and making that go really big I mean, it's, social media is a very powerful tool, uh, and we know that, uh, and it's interesting that you've done some research sort of on your own profiles, but how has your audience changed, and how has your interaction and what you've learned from them changed over the years? Because it's been quite a, since, since you've, you've reached sort of the limelight, it's obviously been with you all through these years, a very integral part of your growth, Right. It has. So I wouldn't say the demographics changed a lot. Um, at the moment, it's about 80% females between the ages of 18 and 35. But the type of people have definitely changed. So where it used to be aspirants models, <laughs> it's kind of turning or, or changing to young aspirant leaders or, um, you know, females um, who a lot of the times need to juggle a lot of roles in life and who wants to grow personally, who wants to reach their full potential. So um, focus stays females, but I think the type of females um, change. And I've seen my my followers actually change with me, being very focused on, um, on the outer, the physical beauty and all of that. And as I change and grow, they change and grow. And I have a few, um, you know, I always try to read as much direct messages and comments that I that I can so I already have a few relationships with some of my followers um, and it's lovely to go on this journey together and know that you're not alone that's amazing so um I mean with regards to sort of your followers um and they, they must be going you know they're probably having children at the same time as you and so relating to those sorts of things um what is the, the, I don't want to say the interaction that's changed, but I mean, have, it was quite a self-conscious process for you, I think, in the beginning initially on social media, quite a vulnerable place, I'd imagine, to now um, using it to change mindsets of, of your audience. And do you still have that vulnerability that you're feeling in, sense, in, in the sense of your your, your confidence or you know how has that shifted for you your your relationship with yourself through the social media channels and your your audience um so I don't take one follower lightly so like I don't take the fact that someone's following me and listening to what I say like I still remember the day Danielle my husband asked me um, you know, if you had the opportunity to speak uh, in front of 250,000 people, what would you say? Um, and I stood shocked. I was like, where on earth would I get the opportunity to speak in front of 250,000 people? 
above that, what would I say that would be meaningful and that would impact lives? And he said, okay, think about it for a while, but then go to work. And as soon as I went on my accounts, at that stage, I think it was 294,000 um, followers. At the moment, I'm at 311. But I realized that every single day, I am saying something to 311,000 people. And once you realize that, you realize that it's a privilege, but it's an immense responsibility. And you have to be absolutely clear on what you want to bring across and how you want to impact people's lives because they are trusting you with their time. You're basically in their home, in their rooms. With, it's a very personal thing. And I think people forget how personal social media can be. Um, you know, when um, my husband gets really upset when someone comments something um, horrible on, on my Instagram or on my Facebook because he's like, there's a person behind it. Um, so, yes, I don't take it lightly and I see it as a big responsibility. That's the thing. There's a person behind it. Are people having these conversations that they would have with you in person or do you find it is, it is giving an ability for a completely different interaction I mean, is it is it totally different seeing these seeing people who know you or follow you in person versus versus the kind of feedback you get online? I think it goes both both ways. So you get the instances where I walk in the mall and someone comes up to me and they're like, "Oh, you know, um, I remember yesterday you did this, and tell me more about this." And you realize you've never met this person in your life, but they have such a personal connection to you um, that at some you know sometimes it's really scary how personal it can be. So I think it is an opportunity. Um, you know, people trusting you. So it's a big opportunity, but also, um, you know, people get access to you and you get access or you get so, um, or the opinions that you're facing are so much wider and you realize you can't keep everyone happy. You know, whatever you're going to say, you might offend someone and you might keep someone happy. So um, being careful with, with what you say. So yeah, it, it's a two-edged sword. It can go both ways. <laughs> Yeah, and I imagine that's given you a lot of thoughtfulness in how you approach coaching um, because coaching is all about the language you use and, and the questions you use. I mean, have, have you practiced that? Because I know coaching is also a very personal one-on-one sort of, sort of uh, uh, transformation or journey. Does that come across as well? Um, how does that translate to, to the audience or to your, your followers? Um, in, in terms of the coaching aspects of what you're doing? So definitely. Um, the one thing that I believe, especially when it comes to coaching, is that um, the client is the expert of her or his own life. Mm. And I might be the expert in the tools and the techniques, but they are the expert in of, of their lives. And I believe that the mind that holds the problem also holds the solution. And that my role as a coach is to create a safe space for the client to come to her own solutions and to ask the right questions, sometimes showing a few blind spots, but to create that safe space where, where growth, discovery, you know, um, experiencing and experimentation can take place. So I definitely approach my social media differently where I used to only, you know, send information out. 
I now know the power of asking questions. So I want people when they go on my social media and they see some of my posts to actually uh, ask them a question. And, and if they answer the question, I actually know that they have a bit more clarity, that they have a bit more um, yeah. self-awareness. So um, the way I, I create my content is much more focused on you know, what can I ask you that might give you a bit more clarity rather than just, you know, putting information out. Yeah, but more thought-provoking, uh, internal thought-provoking. Well, Raleen, I it's been an amazing uh, uh, chat with you, and I must say what an incredible journey. I love how you've turned um, what you've done into really sort of making other people's lives better. Um, and coaching, I, I really do wish you and your husband the best. It sounds like the seminar is going to be absolutely amazing, and hope there'll be a lot of breakthroughs. So I wish you all luck with that. And then you said you have a book coming out as well. So you be, I mean, you are really, you've got two kids, books, podcasts, seminars, studying. What happened to work-life balance? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's difficult, but we, we, are, we are getting the balance right, we believe. Um, yeah, the one thing that I've, um, that I've seen is perhaps one last thing that I can share is that, um, you know, when you're able to categorize your goals, you you, are, you you can see whether the goals are complementary or whether they are competing against one another. Yeah. So a lot of the times you're actually able to take competing goals and just check a few things to make them complementary. So let's say my husband and I, you know, we struggle to find the time to spend together, but we also want to start a business together or we want to flourish in our businesses. Maybe let's do it together. Then we're able to work and spend time together or let's say I want to be active rather than just going to the gym perhaps taking a run with my sons on their bicycles so you know taking these goals and actually making them complementary um, has, has helped a lot in, in our busy lives. That is a, a very good life hack I like that so <laughs> yeah um, but anyway Raleen thank you very much and, and we, we're coming to the end of, of today's podcast um, and I don't know if there's anything else you want to, to let anybody know about what's coming up or any more part, last parting words you have for the top woman audience. I know you're very passionate about developing women. Yes. Um, no, thank you once again, Carla, for having me and um, yeah, top woman for having me. It's, it's always lovely to, to get together and speak about females and women. Yeah. And yes, um, I would like to make a commitment that I'm going to do everything in my power to assist women that cross my path or cross my online courses or my social media um, to really make a difference wherever I can and to add value to, to your life. So thank you for that opportunity. Fantastic. We, we actually do, and I must possibly invite you to this, we do um, a Top Woman Masterclass. So we get a couple of women experience in all different realms and um, we try and come up with learning tools and actual practical insights that people can, women can walk away with to implement. And I think you would be a great addition as a panelist and I'm sure very, very liked in the audience. So I'd love to, to get you on for one of those that we do monthly and, and we can maybe talk a little bit more about what you're doing on your seminars um in the future but yeah I, I wish you all the best Raleen and it's been great chatting to you today thank you very much Carla thanks for having absolute me absolute pleasure